So we have been going through the book of Ephesians. Um, I did the intro to the book of Ephesians about six weeks ago, and I said, man, I love this book. It's one of my favorite books because when I read it, I get excited to be a Christian again. You read the beginning, and it's like, God's done this for you. God's done this for you. Do you know who you are? It's so awesome. Then there's like a little bit of, you know, then we start getting into how to walk in the ways of God, and you got to grow up a little bit and mature and walk in humility and gentleness and love and all the things. But it's a good reminder. But then we end um, on, on this, this thing called fight. So we, we talked about standing, and that was knowing who we are in Christ, knowing our identity, knowing what God has done for us. Then we talked about walking out the ways of God. What does that look like? How to do that on a daily basis? A lot of it has to do with how we interact with each other in relationship. And then today we're talking about fighting. And I actually love that song, um, you know, this is how I fight my battles. And I'm, I'm one of those people where once I get an anthem song, uh, it's, it kind of just becomes my thing, and I'll, I'll listen to it over and over again and sing with it over and over again. And I'm just saying, this is one of those songs where, like, I'm in my living room, and I'm just like, this is how I fight my battle. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, like, going for it. And I've actually had a lot of breakthrough in these little moments at my house, just, you know, with the curtains drawn or maybe not. Um, maybe the people <laughs> in my neighborhood think I'm crazy. Because there is something about fighting our battles that doesn't have to do with weapons, like I think Brittany was saying, with our hands. And it's not about fighting people. Sometimes Christians are, are more known for what we're against and the people that we're fighting. And I really believe God wants us to learn how to fight in a supernatural way. Not just, you know, oh, that person, you know, kind of ruffled my feathers and they offended me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go after them or I'm going to show them. I'm going to teach them a lesson. No, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not carnal. They're not about getting back at somebody or putting somebody in their place. It's not about getting what we think we deserve. It's not about like, well, these are my rights. Did you see my rights, Jesus? Because this is what I, I want from you. The weapons of our warfare are powerful and mighty, but they're not the ways that we often think to fight, the ways that we think we can overcome the enemy in our life. Um, there's a quote by a pastor, and it says, he said, sometimes God wants us to know our authority, so we fight like soldiers and get a breakthrough by force. Sometimes God wants us to know our identity, and that only comes by realizing we are sons and daughters. We get our breakthrough after we rest. There's different ways to fight, and we have to know the wisdom of which kind of fight we're supposed to be involved in and how we're supposed to fight it. So some of the fighting is actually just reiterating the things we've already talked about. Knowing who we are in Christ, being filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit, living rightly in relationship with other people. There's something, too, about the unity. All, in all of Paul's letters to the churches, it's like, man, 
try to, try to keep that same spirit of the peace. We need unity. We need to walk in step and right relationship with each other. Unity is a form of warfare. Now, last week, um, Pastor Bob started on the, the household code. He was going through chapter 5. And he was joking around that he had, you know, to talk about you know, wives submitting to their husbands and sexual immorality. <laughs> but um, he didn't get through all of his notes. And um, so we're going to finish the, we're going to open up in chapter six here and we're going to finish the other part of the household code. So he talked to, you know, wives and husbands. He talked about how we're all supposed to submit to each other, each other, mutual submission. That is not normal in our culture. And we shouldn't necessarily submit to everyone, but he's saying in a body of believers, in a community like this, or like how we'll, we'll call it a family, because that's what it is. It's another form of family. Submitting to each other is powerful. And I, I have said this before, that I choose to see each and every one of you as the community that God is using to shape me and mold me and make me more like him. And if we truly began to see everyone around us that way, not what can I get from them or what can they give me, but man, everybody has something to teach me and I'm gonna humble myself even if I don't want to receive from that person. Um, we, we've had different trainings as a staff and um, I always just get super excited <laughs> when we start talking about relationships and how to be healthier emotionally because I eat that stuff up. And I started to realize not everybody does. <laughs> A lot of people actually don't like conflict. Anyone D doesn't like conflict? <laughs> you guys don't even want to raise your hands because you just don't even want to. <laughs> but I'm one of those people who's like, I don't love conflict, but I will rush into that if it means that our relationship will be better on the other side. I will go into that if I know that I'll understand you better and you'll understand me better. That's always my hope. And one of the times we were, we were going through um, a staff training and we were talking about um, receiving, you know, criticism or constructive feedback from other people. And most people said, oh, well, it, I will only take it from like my husband or my wife or my two closest friends or my mentor, someone that I just really trust. And I was like, I'll take it from anybody. <laughs> anybody can give, I think all of you, I don't have to have relationship with you for you to be able to speak into my life. So I'm thankful for um, the family and the community of God that we have here. Unity is a good thing. Okay, we're going to start in chapter six. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses at a time, basically. This morning, I kind of went through everything word by word, and um, I got a lot out of it when I was actually doing it. You know, I was doing the whole, like, studying the Greek meaning of, of words. I'm a definitions girl, and I love definitions. I think it's so important to define words because we can use the same word, and it can mean totally different things to people. So when we talked about submission, some people get a little because it means something to them. There's experiences that have to do with that word that maybe aren't pleasant. Then there's other people, maybe they're like, oh, I've lived a life of submission and God has blessed me. And that's, that's not a hard word for me. So I did that this morning, but I think tonight I'm gonna do a little bit differently. And I'm just gonna talk real practically about how, um, how we fight in different kinds of warfare. 
Okay, but let's open up our Bibles or smartphone, Bible apps, whatever, to chapter 6, verse 1. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And all the parents said, amen. (laughs) Um, I I just think that it's interesting that that had to be said. Because sometimes I think in my mind, I think kids back then, it was like, it's better to be seen, not heard, you know. And well, not like in Bible times necessarily. But um, it's interesting that he's saying, man, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And some, some, this could mean actual, you know, younger children, but the context there could also be children, like spiritual children and spiritual parents. So when you have fathers and mothers in the Lord, obey them, submit yourself to them. It can also mean, though, just children, but it could be adult children. I don't know about you, but... Um, It has been a dance sometimes for Pete and I, trying to figure out as we get older and as our seasons of life change, how do we honor our parents well? I mean, like Brittany, you know, just yelling at your mom like that. I mean, it was so rude. No, I'm just kidding. Um, No, it's just the kind of relationship you guys have. Um, But I can be like that with my parents, you know, where I'm like, oh my gosh, would you guys just get it together and I realize I've kind of got this, this pride that somehow I think I can parent my parents. And so it's very interesting here, this, this whole thing of honor, trying to figure that out as we get older. Because it's going to look different in different seasons. There are times as adult children when we have to challenge our parents. But there's always an honoring way to do it. Always. But then it says... I just love it. Everything is like, this group, you do this. And they're like, oh, that, I don't want to do that. You know, what about them? And he's like, oh, don't worry. I'm, I'm going to get to them next. So parents, you know, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That might seem really obvious. But he's saying, you know, others, other uh, translations say, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. And I'm going to put myself in there too. Like, mothers, don't provoke your children to anger. That's something that I struggle with a lot is that I don't want to do something that hinders my children from coming to God. I don't want to do something as a parent that keeps my kids from actually being able to see a relationship with God and what it should look like. There's something too where it says, you know, instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's super common sense, guys. If as parents we go after the hearts of our children and we're trying to understand them, I I call it like learning my kids. Like I'm always trying to learn my kids who they are, who God made them to be so that I'm not crushing something in them that God actually wants me to cultivate or to steward and to grow and to nurture So I'm trying to learn my kids, but they're not going to, I could have the best advice in the world and I could say, man, this is how you know God, but me talking is going to have way less of an impact if I'm provoking them to anger in the process. You know, something when I was younger, if I got in trouble, um, you know, sometimes my parents would have me like read certain scriptures or (laughs) write certain scriptures out. And it 
didn't seem to have a good effect on me. I don't know why. <laughs> but using the Bible like that, you know, where it's more of a, it's, it's something where you're like bringing down the law. So what he's saying, though, for parents and children is there is a way to live in relationship with each other that is not the norm. It's not what you experience in our culture, and a lot of us didn't even experience that growing up. But he's saying, look at how beautiful it can be if children would submit to their parents and if parents would really go after their kids' hearts and make sure that they're not causing their kids to stumble. It's a beautiful picture. In the next few verses, he's talking about slaves and masters. Um, just needs to be said, a lot of these verses about, um, you know, what we should do in submission to one another um, have obviously been taken out of context. And, you know, these things, these verses have actually been used to support and um, really actively oppress people at certain times. So we're not talking about that. In this context, though, um, you know, slaves and masters, they were in their household and it in some cases, would be like an employee-employer relationship. Now, obviously not always, but Paul just goes for it. He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. That one gets to me. I, I, I just, I have a hard time with that. <laughs> Obeying my master just as I would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. So don't just do the right action, but actually serve from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. So that's a really good thing for us. Um, if you just even use it in the context of at your job. Anyone have any bosses that they feel like should maybe not be in a position of leadership? <laughs> well, you didn't have to raise your hands, guys. <laughs> and that is something that we can take away from this. When there's someone over us in leadership, he's, Paul is encouraging them, obey them, serve them. They don't deserve it. He's not saying they deserve it. He's saying do it from your heart as if you were serving the Lord. I don't know about you, but like a lot of these household codes and the things that are, are guiding principles as believers don't sound very fun. It's not like something that you're just excited to do. And then he says, though, masters, you're not out of the woods, you know, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. I love that because he's saying, man, leaders, steward your gift, your people, well. Treat them well. Treat them fairly. And just realize that you might be over them for a time, but there is a master that you also have in heaven. So whether you're slave or free, whether you're an employee or an employer, you both have served the same Lord. And even this kind of a relationship should look beautiful in the kingdom. Okay, we get into the armor of God in verse 10. And I'm just going to kind of read through some of these, these verses here. And when I was a little kid, I had um, at one point, I don't know where we got it, probably like some Christian bookstore or something. But um, I remember we actually had a costume and it was the armor of God. And it looked like a medieval, you know, it was 
gray plastic or whatever, but it looked like the medieval, you know, breastplate, and there was a helmet and a sword, and and I even saw other ones that were nicer and newer, and I remember thinking, like, this is so cool. You know, did you ever sing the song, like, we're soldiers in the Lord's army, you know, a little militaristic for little children on a Sunday school morning. I don't know what's going on there, but those were the kinds of images that and songs that are running through my head when I think of the armor of God sometimes. But what I loved was being able to go through and look at the Greek words and what they meant, and it just took on new meaning. Now, if you think that that's kind of nerdy to look up the Greek and the Hebrew words, um, it is. I'm a total nerd, and that's okay. But you all, too, can become nerds, guys. It's really cool because even if you don't have any idea how to do it, there um, the app that I like to use is the BLB app. And, um, you know, you have to learn a little bit about how to use it, but it it's fascinating when you start to understand how in the translations that we have sometimes, the words, it can be the same word. So like in here, we have put on or take up um, several times, you know, stand firm. And some of these things can mean different things, actually. They have, it's the same word in our Bible, but they have different meanings. And so yeah, it just makes the word richer, come alive. So verse 10 says, finally... He's, he's been going on and on about identity and how, you know, to walk in, in the ways of God, how to, you know, imitate God. And look at, when you look at household code, the household code and relationships, this is supernatural. We have to have the power of Jesus to be able to do this, to be able to submit to one another. So he's just kind of wrapping it up. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And that be strong there is, uh, it actually has more of a passive connotation. It's about receiving, to receive um, strength or to be strengthened, to increase in strength. And so it's not about working our spiritual muscles and, and trying to, you know, do all the right things so that we can look like an overcomer and look strong spiritually. He's saying the first thing he says to them is, so just receive the strength that God has for you. Because you can't do any of these things unless you have the strength of God. How many of us do things where we're like, I got this, God. Don't worry about it. I don't need you. I'm going to take care of this situation. And I don't need you. And we fail miserably. And then sometimes we have the audacity to say, God, where were you? Why did you let that bad thing happen? But he's saying here, wait. You can do all these things if you just receive strength from me. Verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That right there, the, the put on, actually uh, has it, the definition in there was to sink into a garment or clothing. So, you know, sometimes I think of uh, putting on and when they're talking about the armor of God, you know, like you're just pumping yourself up and I'm imagining like football players before they go out to play a football game and they're listening to their heavy metal music and they're just, you know, pumping themselves up. And this is like sink into the garment, sink into the armor of God. These things that God has to protect us, these things that God has given us to not just, because I used to always think of it in a protection way, but really it's we're in a constant battle, right? Sometimes we get our breakthrough by force. Sometimes we get our breakthrough by rest, but we're in a constant battle. And instead of just looking at it like protection, like armor, 
I started thinking of it more like, man, the, the, the supplication and the, the way that, like, say even the song was singing, God surrounds us. He preserves us. He keeps us to where we're able to have our energy for when we need it. And then sometimes the, even the, the imagery of preparing a place for us in the middle of our fight. And that our enemies have to watch us feast I, I've just had this image for a long time of wanting to do some kind of message where, you know, Natalie Mortimer is, you know, setting a table and preparing food just like as someone is sharing this beautiful picture of in the middle of your stuff that God says, there are times I need you to fight like a soldier. And then there's times I just need you to feast and to let your enemies watch you feast. I love the rain. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And I remember when I was younger thinking about this, going, ah, I don't know if I want to like fight demons. Um, That sounds a little scary. I don't definitely don't want to take on like powers and principalities in like dark places, heavenly realms. That's not really my thing. I'll leave that for like the intercessor prayer warriors who just want to do all that. But this is not just for a, a, a few people. This is for all of us. And that word wrestle isn't necessarily what we would think of with wrestling. Um, it's a very intense uh, type of almost like jujitsu or something. Uh, my sister-in-law, Amy, and Tressa Marsh, they both do jujitsu. Have you guys ever seen that? Like Brazilian jujitsu? It's intense. And um, <laughs> my sister-in-law, Amy, though, she's, she's a total beast, and she just loves that kind of stuff. But what I thought was funny is that she sat a few of us girls down and was like, you guys would love this. I need you guys to come to the gym with me. We're going we're gonna to throw, we're going to roll or whatever. And um, she, she said this after she had described how she's losing her hair and she's got all these like broken, you know, pieces of hair here. And we were like, why? And she's like, oh, because like when your, your face is smashed against the mat, it just like rips all your hair out. And we were like, oh, that sounds great. And she's like, yeah, you know, I mean, you're, you're wrestling, you know, you're, you're rolling. I think that's what they call it, rolling with guys and... You know, so sometimes it feels really inappropriate. I mean, you got to have your boundaries and stuff. But like, you know, like you're you're in some hold, and and and, and you know, your your face is in their crotch, or vice versa. And we're just like, oh my gosh, no, this is not helping your case. But she was talking about the skill that it takes, and for her, there's strength, and then there's skill. And she's very strong, but she loves learning the skill, and. And the part where she's like, you're, you're in this, you know, hold with somebody. And it, it's a little scary. That's the other thing. She said, um, yeah, people pass out, you know, like they're in some hold. And you got to make sure you tap out, like, before somebody actually causes you to pass out. And I was just thinking, like, what? This is not something <laughs> any of us want to do. You're crazy. But when I'm thinking of wrestling and struggling with powers and principalities, um, when she talks about the different holds that you do, I think that's what you call it, holds. Um, and it's almost like you can be in a position where she said you feel like you're going to pass out. 
they've got you held so tightly in some constricted form that you feel like you're done. And she said, all it takes is one wrong move, just the slightest adjustment on the part of her opponent. And she can easily like very quickly get out of that hold and get them to where I, I think they're pinned. I don't know if that's the word you use. But when I think of, of wrestling the enemy, that seems really intense when I think of that kind of wrestling. But we're talking tonight about the other ways that maybe we think it has to be super intense like that. And at times it can be. But there are things that God has for us, weapons of warfare, that actually are fun to do. Not all of them are fun, but some of them are very fun. Worshiping. Worshiping. Worshiping is a form of warfare. When we're lifting up praises and we're exalting the name of Jesus, we are destroying things in the spiritual realm. That's fun. You know, when we're dancing, we, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm like a more of a, a physical person. I just sometimes like need to move my body sometimes when I'm worshiping and I don't really even know what it's doing. But there's times before when I felt like I'm like stomping. I'm stomping some, and I'm like, I just imagine I am crushing Satan under my feet as I'm worshiping. It's pretty fun. What about, you know, just being filled with the Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit and obeying? Do you know that obedience is a form of warfare? That when the Holy Spirit's like, hey, I want you to do this thing, and you actually go and do it, that you are pushing back the enemy in your life. I think that's so cool that it doesn't have to always look like, you know, getting our face smashed into a mat and having to hang on for dear life. Laughter and joy is a form of warfare. There are some people that when I'm around them, I just, I'm like, where did you get so much joy? And I want what they have. And then I realize I can have <laughs> what they have. But there's a lot of times where I choose not to. Laughter, though, I mean, there was a time in my life where I was journaling and God told me my laughter was powerful for breaking off strongholds. And the little backstory to that is, um, you know, years ago, my best friend and I had had this, you know, little breakup, a week-long breakup where I was mad at her. And it was because we had been at her house and it was guys and girls hanging out and her parents had gone to bed and they said, we need you to be quiet. And I was just being really loud and laughing really loud. And she got mad at me. She doesn't remember this, but I felt like she got mad at me and told me to be quiet. And I was mad at her because she told me to be quiet when I was laughing too loud. But the boy she liked was laughing really loud and she didn't say anything to him. And I've been told I'm too loud. I tell my kids sometimes, I'm like, I'm right here. You don't have to yell. I'm like right here. You know, take it down a little bit. But they get that from me and Pete. So they're kind of doomed. But God told me my laughter was powerful for breaking things off of people. How cool is that? Something that God has given you that's unique to you, it's fun to laugh. And sometimes I actually will catch myself as I'm laughing loudly and realize, I wonder what I'm breaking off right now. I wonder what I'm disarming right now. And I didn't even realize it. Okay, sorry. I'm, I'm going to keep going through the verses real quick here. Um, 
Therefore, put on the full armor. Oh, and the rulers and authorities there, I think it needs to be said, those are not rulers and authorities in the natural. We're not talking about like, well, I'm a Democrat and a Republican is a governor, and so I'm going to fight against the rulers and the authority. Like, no, it's, it's all spiritual darkness that we're talking about in there, okay? So, yeah, just a little side note. Verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. And that um, having done everything there, (laughs) the meaning there was having gone through every struggle of the fight. Sometimes the only way out of a fight is through it. Sometimes the only way to get to the other side of your breakthrough and what God has for you is to just not give up. That is so, it's so easy to just think, I'm just going to tap out. I'm like one of those people when I'm working out, it's sometimes really good for me to have some accountability because if I don't, you know, if I'm like doing squats or something, I'm like, oh, feel the burn. I'm going to just take a little rest get back in it in a few more minutes. But if I'm with somebody else and they keep going, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to keep going, you know. And, and sometimes we can do that. If we're by ourselves, if we're by ourselves and we're not in community, if we're by ourselves and we're just by ourselves because maybe, maybe we're surrounded by people, but we're not very vulnerable, we don't open up, we aren't accountable to anybody, and, and we're not sharing what's actually going on in our heart and of the struggles we're facing, that sometimes we can give up way too soon. Having done everything means having gone through every struggle of the fight. And I love there that that take up, the, the words put on or take up there, is not just sinking into a garment. That is take up this thing and use it. There are weapons of warfare that God has given us that we might know are there. We might not know they're, they're there, but he's like, you have to actually do something with it. You can't just leave it over here, like on this, you know, table, like pick your, pick your, your armor today and you go and pick it out. No, you actually have to put it on and it has an intention and a purpose and it's to protect you. In verse 614, it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. There where it says um, truth, it was talking about sincerity of mind and integrity of character or a mode of life in harmony with truth. I, I heard it said this way, character, not brute force, wins the battle. Character in our everyday lives wins the battle sometimes. It's the tiny daily disciplines that will sometimes win the battle for us long-term if we're willing to keep doing them. We used to talk about this, Pete and I, that, uh, man, we'd much rather have somebody who doesn't have what seems like doesn't have any giftings but has character than somebody who has all the shiny, sexy giftings, you know, healing or whatever, I don't know. Um, but doesn't have the character to sustain those giftings. Character matters, integrity matters, and making those choices in your daily life is a way of fighting the enemy back in your life. No, I'm not gonna watch that show that's full of sex scenes or whatever. No, I'm not gonna listen to that music because I actually know that it just kind of takes me back to this nostalgic place that maybe isn't really good for me. 
And it's not like, I'm not against like secular music or anything. Um, but, but there are those little daily choices that we make, little, just slight little things, just little things. And no one else would look at you and say, oh, I don't know if you should be doing that. But maybe for you, it's a heart thing where God's like, man, I want you to walk in a, in a purity that, a way of purity that looks different. And I'm calling you to a little bit of a higher standard. And this is not like to condemn. I mean, we all have our own things that um, we struggle with and we should not be judging other people (laughs) for what they're doing. I'm talking about your own things that only you know about. Having integrity and character and purity of life. That breastplate of righteousness there is not just the, it's not the righteousness necessarily that we get from, um, from having a relationship with Christ. That, once again, is like integrity, virtue, uprightness, correctness in thinking, feeling, and acting. That's a way to fight back the enemy in your life. When it talks about, um, you know, feet that are um, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. There is a lot throughout this whole chapter, and even throughout Ephesians, about being alert, being aware watching, being attentive. Sometimes we get so into our routines. I know I do this. I'm like, oh, got to pick up the kids, got to do this. They should probably eat something. Maybe I'll make them some pasta for dinner. And we can just go from thing to thing in our day. And we're totally distracted. We're not awake to what God is doing. We're not attentive to what he's saying. I say this all the time, and I don't care how silly it sounds. God will sometimes just have me change the slightest thing in my schedule. Go to that Winco instead of that one, and I'll run into somebody, somebody I haven't seen in a while, and we'll have a little conversation. Guess what? It doesn't always end with, do you want to know Jesus? I'll pray the sinner's prayer with you. Sometimes it is just encouraging somebody but that's sharing the good news and we should always be ready to share the good news everywhere we go, all throughout our day, encouraging people, calling out the identity of God in people. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. There are times when I'm like, man, I need to be reminded of my identity and somebody will pull something out of me and speak something over me and, and I go, yeah, yeah, that's who I am. I forgot for a minute. But no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in who I am. And I need those reminders sometimes. And I know all of you do too. Can you imagine if we walked around all the time, not just saying, God, I need a word today. Or God, I need you to bring someone to me today. But what if we were like, God, who do you have for me? Who do you have in my path while I'm getting gas at the gas station? Being prepared at any moment to share the good news of what God has done for you is really powerful. We should always have a testimony ready of what God is currently doing in our life. And sometimes he has us go back to like, you know, back 20 years or whatever. Um, But what is God doing in your life right now? What's the good news that you experienced today? Could could you do that? And I mean, no, no, no condemnation if you're like, no, I had a terrible day, but thanks for telling me that. But there's, God's always doing good things in our lives. But do we see it? Do we want to see it? Um, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And that faith right there is more of a, a trust, 
a trust in, in who Jesus is, a trust in his character. Our trust, when we trust God, we can protect ourselves from so many of the enemy's arrows aimed at us. Trust is a powerful, powerful thing. Sometimes I don't think I'm that spiritual. A lot of times, actually. (laughs) And there's times where I go, man, God, what do I have to give you? What am I even doing right And it usually comes back to some form of, I love how you trust me. I love how you're willing to trust me in difficult situations. I love how you're willing to trust me with your kids and your marriage and your destiny and your relationships. I don't always do that perfectly. And I've had, you know, my brother, one of my brothers lived with us uh, for a couple years And he said that that was one of the most powerful things that he learned from Pete and I while he was living with us. Now, guys, he saw everything. He saw us fighting. He saw us yelling at our kids. He saw our kids yelling at us. (laughs) He saw it all. You know, the times when we are just like, we just need to zone out and like binge a movie or something. He saw it all. But he was like, man, the way that you guys trust God, and not just with the big things, but, he, you know, he, he remarked it was the bigger things. But he's like, the way you guys trust God to provide for you, it's powerful. Do you know how many of the, the things that the enemy is trying, he could be trying to bring destruction into your life. And simply just by trusting that God is good, he has good things for you, and that it is not your job to figure everything out. Do you know how many things you could quench how many fiery arrows you could quench of the enemy. There's protection. That shield, you know, they talk about it being like a, not like a cute little, you know, Captain America shield that's like round. It's like these massive door-like shields that, you know, they would, I think they were wrapped in leather and they would douse them with water so that when the fiery arrows came, they would go out. But it's, it's like door size. It covers you. But the other thing is that um, when you are fighting in a battle and you have a bunch of shields. They would go in in groups and they would they would have a bunch of shields to protect everyone all the way around. There's power too when we are in community and we're not doing these things alone. Okay, and it says take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. I don't know about you, but I when I was in middle school, I was at a church where we would do sword drills. Anybody do sword drills? You know, like where they're like, okay, get your Bibles ready. And you would put your Bible out there and somebody, a leader would call out a scripture verse and you had to hurry up. They would say, ready, set, go. And you would flip through your Bible to try and find the verse and whoever could stand up the quickest and read the verse. One, nobody. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I've heard it said that the, you know, the, the sword is the only, you know, the, the word of God, that the sword of the spirit is the word of God meaning the Bible, and that it's the only offensive weapon. And I take issue with that. Um, for one thing, the, the word there where it says word of God isn't um, necessarily the, the, the logos. It's the, it's the rhema. And that means that to me, and, and the, the sword, that's the other thing, is that it's not a huge sword, you know, like something where you're lugging it around. It's a large knife. And it was something that was to be used in close combat, like hand-to-hand combat. And so I was thinking about this, man, when the Holy Spirit gives you uh, an identity, a name, 
Oh my gosh, I'm going to call you Aunt Makari, sorry. <laughs> um, so you've maybe heard some of us talk about heart change. Um, and it's, a, it's a pro- not a program, it's an encounter. There's an official way to say it, but it's an encounter where God totally just like meets you, right? But they have this thing where um, they call it your dagger and it's an identity. It's a name that God gives you. And it is meant when the enemy comes to whisper, this is who you are. This is, you think you're that? No, you just did that. You should be ashamed of yourself. Do you think people will really love you after they, they if they knew that you did that? You know, those voices, that, that, the voices like, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. Did you see how no one said hi to you when you came in tonight? Do you guys ever hear those kinds of things? God doesn't love you. Who, where is God? Where is he in the midst of this? The dagger is meant to be like, Ugh. Well, I mean, I don't know if you would twist, but like, I just imagine like a twist, mm, pull, you know, something like that. The enemy's close. He's whispering things in your ear and you're like, no, this is who I am. No, this is who God is. No, this is the prophetic word that he gave me and I'm going to stand on it. And every time you come at me with your little like, oh, it seems like nobody cares about your future, or your destiny. God does. This is who he said I am. And this is what he said I'm going to do. And yes, the sword is an offensive weapon, and we should use it all the time, which is why it's so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be listening to the Spirit. When the Spirit wants to tell us things, we need to listen, and then we need to believe it and use it in hand-to-hand combat. However, it says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And he goes on to say, pray for me too. Which is funny to think of Paul saying, pray for me so I can be bold. Because his boldness got, got him in a lot of trouble. Got him in prison quite often. But he's saying, man, please pray for me so I can, I can be bold. And that is a form of warfare. Prayer and worship, prayer and fasting. We're going to be fasting this Wednesday. When we give something up, it does not always have to be food. I just was talking with someone this morning, and they were saying, maybe I should be, you know, praying and fasting more, like, you know, incorporating fasting into my prayer. And they were saying how they hadn't really, they didn't do well with food fasts. And I said, well, just so you know, I don't know if this is helpful, But I once fasted from chapstick for three days, and that was the most powerful fast I have ever done. I'm a little bit of a chapstick freak. I don't know if you, you know, if you pay attention long enough, I'm constantly, I've got like three chapsticks there. There's like some in the car. There's some in my nightstand. I mean, you can ask my kids. They're all over our house, basically. I never want to be too far from a chapstick because I have a fear of dry lips. (laughs) I just don't like the feeling. But when I was 19, I did a fast for three days from chapstick. And I kid you not, I needed Jesus so bad. And I constantly thought of it, like every couple of minutes when I would normally be putting on chapstick. And I was just like, oh, Jesus, I need you. (laughs) My lips are so dry, Jesus. But giving something up, something that we think we need, that could be social media, that could be, you know, Netflix. It could be, I know people who fasted makeup and hair products. No judgment if you never do that. I'm just saying it could be, it could be a lot of different things. But it's anything that we start to, it's a crutch and we start to rely on it. And we go, man, 
Lord, if I didn't have this thing in my life and I gave it up for a couple days or a week or a month, would I know you more? Would you, would you, you know, supply the, the needs that I have? Would you be there for me? And there's things that only come through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is active warfare and worship. But there is a perseverance and a persistency and an awakeness that we have to have. <laughs> we have to be woke, guys. Okay, like to the things of the spirit. <laughs> will you guys, uh, the worship team, will you guys come on up? There's things that we do individually, and um, we can fight individually. You, there's things only you can do. Knowing and walking in your true identity, only you can do that. Someone can remind you of who you are in Christ. They can encourage you, but only you can walk out your true identity. Know that and walk it out. Only you can be filled with the Holy Spirit for yourself and walk in an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Not just here, Monday through Saturday. Monday through Saturday is when it matters, and that's when it counts. And I love when people come in, and maybe they're newer, and they'll, you know, someone will say, oh, I had a word for that person. And um, I just think that's so cool that we can come here, and we're encouraged and built up. But, man, it's so important. The Holy Spirit is for our Monday through Saturday lives, too. Sometimes even more importantly, only you can grow into maturity and, and live the life, uh, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Walking in humility, walking in patience, walking in love. No one else can do that for you. Another way we can fight individually is, um, you know, I'd mentioned trust. But forgiving, forgiving is a way to fight the enemy. And only you can forgive someone who has harmed you or who's offended you, whether that harm is relational and emotional or physical or whatever else. That, though, is a way to crush the enemy. And we've said it before. Um, sometimes, you know, people think forgiveness is drinking poison or unforgiveness is drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. That's what unforgiveness is. But when we forgive we're not letting that person off the hook. We're not saying what that person did is okay, but we are stopping the blockage. There's been blockage in our life because of unforgiveness, and as soon as we forgive, that gets opened up, and the Holy Spirit can flow through our lives again in its full measure and full power. Will you guys stand with me? Fighting together. There's things only we can do, but then there's things where when we come together, our, the, the power that we have to crush the enemy is multiplied exponentially. This is the stuff that I get excited about. When we pray and fast together, that's awesome doing it on your own. It's really cool when we all come together and we say, we're going to be in this and we're going to crush the enemy together by giving something up by asking God for things. We can fight by being mutually submitted to each other and being in unity. That's a hard one, but I just think that's so cool. I say it all the time. I think, you know, I want revival. I want God's manifest presence in such a strong way, but I don't think he's gonna give it to us. And you can tell me if my theology is wrong later, but I don't think he's gonna give it to us if we won't steward his presence well. And if we're all offended with each other and bothered by each other and seeing the worst about each other, I don't think we'll steward his presence well then. He gives it to us anyway sometimes. But unity is a powerful way to fight the enemy. 
intimacy and joy in relationships and marriage, um, speaking the truth in love, that requires you talking to somebody else and saying what needs to be said. When we are honest with each other and we do it in love, that makes the enemy so mad because he loves for stuff to stay hidden. He loves for offenses to stay hidden. He loves that. He thrives on that kind of, you know, like moldy environment. He just like thrives. He's like a little fungus. But when we bring things up to each other in love and we can be honest with each other, we're fighting back the enemy. Repenting. Repenting. When we, when we come together collectively and say, God, man, I want to change. I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't want to walk that way. I'm going to stop and not just stop walking this way. I'm going to turn. I'm going to change, allow you to change my mind. And I want to walk this way. I want to walk in your ways, God. When we come together and do that, there's power in that. I love the, the line in the song we were singing um, earlier that says, take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where your help comes from. Remember that there is a part where we have to engage in hard things, in a struggle, and we don't wanna give up in that. We're always gonna be engaged in some kind of warfare, but sometimes the ways we get to fight are so fun, like worshiping dancing in worship, laughing in worship, crying in worship. I do all of them, you know. But those are the ways that we get to say, man, we are going to push back the enemy in our lives. Personally, we're going to push back the enemy as a body. We're going to push back the, the powers and principalities over Vancouver, Washington. Let's do that, guys. This is what God has for us. We don't have to be stuck to a mat, you know, like this with, with the enemy, you know, putting his hand over our neck. We get to be victorious. We get to have the power. And some of it is just resting in our identity and some of it is taking it by force. Ask God though, ask him right now, what, what do you need to do in the battle that your battles that you're currently facing? Do you need to know who you are? Do you need God to speak to that? Do you need some people to come around you and pray and fast with you to take something by force? Ask God. Let's ask him right now. What does he have for us? Lord, we just give you um, our ways. We give you our mindsets. Lord, all the things that um, we just talked about tonight, I thank you so much for the strength that comes from you. I thank you so much that your heart is to preserve and protect us. I thank you that when we resist the enemy, he flees. Give us strength to resist the enemy to where he goes running away from us like a, tail, like a dog with a tail between his legs. God, thank you for the power and the victory that we have through you. Amen.